Hello, and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me is Jane Litt from Dear Author. Also with us are Cindy Huang and Erin Galloway from Penguin and author Sylvia Day. Today we're going to do a pretty in-depth interview with Sylvia about her book, Bared to You, and some of her goals as president-elect of RWA. Penguin and Erin were nice enough to give us a very spiffy, awesome, padded, fuzzy room for recording in that was totally soundproof. It was like being in a refrigerator. The problem is that when we laughed, which we do a lot, the sound would bounce off the wall and head right into the microphone. And so during the editing process, I had to drop the volume and raise it. And so the sound is a little wonky in this episode, and I apologize profusely. Someday I'll not suck at this. Right now I'm still working on not sucking so much. I apologize. The music is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is a group called Hanuman, and I'll have details after the interview. And now, on with the podcast. And we've pinned Sylvia Day to her chair, and she has to answer all of our questions. And there will be a quiz. But it's a good quiz. Cross my heart. I've been planning it. Okay. <laughs> She's actually not joking. There actually There is, is actually a quiz. quiz. We have a quiz for you. Well, okay. You want to introduce yourself? I'm Jane Litt from Dear Author, and I first uh, found Bared to You because Katie Dom from Twitter, and now she is a reviewer at Dear Author, said to me, this is a really good book, you should read it. So I screwed off to NetGalley and requested the book, and Sylvia, I assume Sylvia approved that request. Actually, no, I had a distribution company that handled all that, so. (laughs) Smart woman. Otherwise, we'd still be waiting for NetGalley. Yeah, probably, <laughs> yes. Yes, and Cindy would be waiting for another book and being like, what are you doing? I'm approving your request on yeah. <laughs> So did you get a lot of requests um, from bloggers on NetGalley? I really have no idea. I mean, I didn't see any of that. I paid a company to handle it, and they did. So That's how Cindy found it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how Cindy found the book was because the reviewers that had gotten it through NetGalley were posting on Goodreads, mm-hmm. and she was surfing through Goodreads and saw the number of reviews for it and then actually read the reviews, mm-hmm. and then she emailed me, and I was, the book wasn't even out yet. It was the week before, and she emailed me on a Friday, and the, the question was, what was it? Uh, why didn't you shop this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Forgive me for being forward, <laughs> but I'm curious. <laughs> so, Cindy, what was it about the Goodreads reviews that prompted your interest? Actually, it was your specific Goodreads review that prompted my interest. Just a big old circle of admiration yeah. in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, you know, you really liked it, and it's rare that you really like something, as I know very well, and you weren't the only one. But uh, I was really intrigued by the whole premise of the story. And the fact that it was contemporary romance is was really interesting because I didn't know Sylvia was writing a full-length contemporary romance. And I really enjoy her novellas, which we have worked on together. And those are contemporaries. But it's a different kettle of fish to write a full-length contemporary. And, at, you know, I, and I, we had talked, Sylvia and I, at one point about possibly doing contemporary, full-length contemporaries out of her novellas. But this was something com- completely different in a completely different universe and in first person at that. Right. So um, it was something I would really want to read. First person is hard to pull off. Um, and she'd never, as far as I know, written in first person before, at least nothing that I've read. Not only shorts, mm-hmm. I mean like 10,000 words or less. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I saw the little sample that was up, I think, on your website. And I really wanted to read more. So. So Goodreads reviews and samples Mm -hmm. work. Uh, Yeah. Even for editors. Even for editors. 
This is good news. Yeah. So what happened from there, Sylvia? She sent me the email, and it was mm-hmm. Friday. I mean, I was driving home with my kids, so it was late evening mm-hmm. for her and, you know, early evening for me. And, uh, you know, I replied and, you know, said my answer to why I didn't shop it. And she emailed back a little bit later and said, well, I'd like to read it, so would you would you mind sharing it with me? So I sent her the PDF. And then the book came out on Tuesday, but I think I missed a call from you on you Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because she read it over the weekend, Mm -hmm. and then the book came out Tuesday, and then Thursday, my phone, my cell phone wasn't Mm -hmm. charged, and I was running to pick up my kids, and I came back, and I had missed calls on my cell phone and on my house phone, and and so I called her on Friday, and she said, well, I bet you're wondering why I want to talk to you. (laughs) I'm like, well, either my book is really bad or something else, And, and then she said, you know, I was wondering if you would be interested in or had any interest he thought about selling it, but, which was a big shock to me. It was such a huge shock that I was like, I'll have to talk to you next week because <laughs> it's going to take me a couple days. Did you have to put to... your head between your knees? I had, I've had to do that before. No, I did that when the print run came through. <laughs> yeah, then I did the hyperventilation thing. So what was your, what was the point of access for writing this story? What was the point where you, where you sort of created this world and this particular character's? It started actually in 2010, and I had written Seven Years to Sin, which I know you had read that, and the characters, and it's a historical, Regency mm-hmm. historical, and the characters both have abusive pasts. When the hero had an emotionally abusive past, the heroine had a physically abusive past, and that brought them together. That was the connection point for them, how they were able to communicate, and I was thinking, what would it be like if instead of being the point of reference for a relationship, it was actually what pushed you apart. Instead of being the attraction, it's the problem. And that kind of germinated over time, you know, and I think that's probably maybe more realistic than that being something that would bring you together. Oh my gosh, you're emotionally messed up. Me too. Let's hang. (laughs) That doesn't happen. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And with these two, um, with Gideon and Ava, the way they control their response to things triggers the other one. Their coping mechanisms are, you know, what one uses to cope triggers the other one negatively. And so you've got that whole negative attraction thing going on. And so that was like germinating this whole time. Sort of like the opposite of I, I can't stop thinking about you is you're you're actually bad for me. Yes. I like you and you are bad for me. Right. So what um, one of the things that I liked about the book and really caught my interest was that it was full length because a lot of the um, sexier stories seem to be packaged in these shorter short stories or novellas. And I don't feel like those always give us the opportunity to explore the full emotional gamut that a relationship has. And that was one of the things I really loved about Bared to You. So I guess my question to you would be, is it difficult to sustain a longer emotional arc when you're taught, when you're, um, when there's a lot of sexual content? I don't think so. But, you know, then in, in erotic romance for me, when I'm writing it, that's how they best communicate with each other. The characters often can't voice what it is that they need to say. And so they use their bodies to, to do that expression for them. Mm-hmm. So for me, having a lot of sexual content is really the way the, the relationship progresses. When I started Bared to You, I really thought it was going to be one book. It was, and But I didn't write it with an end point in mind. And I loved it so much that I was you know, up late writing it. When I got up 
first thing in the morning, the first thing I wanted to do was to get back to writing that book. And so it just consumed me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I look at my word processing program and I realized that I'm like at 110,000 words. And obviously I need to shut up at this point. The story is nowhere near done. And it, that was the only time that I realized that the story was going to take a much longer story arc. But I didn't go into it with that in mind. I'm really glad that I didn't go into it paying attention to what that was. Like I might have if I had sold it in advance, if it had been contracted, I would have been more aware of, of what the word count was. I'm not sure that this story would have come the way it did if I hadn't self-published it. If that hadn't been my intention from the beginning, I had no intention to, to shop it at all. So you've had a tremendous reader response. It, and would I be safe to say that it's the largest reader response you've had to by one of your books? By far, by far. It's, yeah, I, I, it amazes me because it's thousands of times the response I've had to anything else I've written. So what are you hearing from your readers? What is resonating with them? It depends on the reader. I'm actually surprised at some of the intimate emails that I've gotten from readers where they've said, it was like reading my own story, minus the, the billions. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's any billionaires yeah. writing to yeah. you, you forward this to us. <laughs> we would be more right. than happy to be set up alongside with a guy with pots of money. That's totally okay. Yeah, we, right? we share. We yeah. share. <laughs> I was talking about that with Leslie Geldman, who's the publisher of Berkeley. We were talking about how she was in a oh, cab, and the the cab driver forgot to turn the, the light off, and... and some guy, they ended up stopping and some guy hopped in the cab with her. And I'm like, see, now that's a romance novel moment, right? Right. And right. like, yeah, and he would be rich and gorgeous and, you know, available. totally, yes, available. <laughs> and yeah, want you immediately. It, yes. And it's like, Not yeah, an emotional right. idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course But was not. she saying she was frightened? Because <laughs> <laughs> I would be a little skeeved. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work that way in real life. But, yeah. Get no, the hell so. out of my cab, <laughs> asshole. And. <laughs> So that response, you know, the people that this is my story, um, some that made me cry, some of them were really in depth. Um, one gal had said that she had a hard time explaining to her significant other who was not an abuse victim why she had some of these very dramatic responses to things, mm-hmm. why she ran a lot, you know, why she didn't want to confront things. Uh, and that for her, the book was a way to share that experience with them. So there was some of those really personal emails, and then there was just others where you know, either something made them uncomfortable and they liked having that reaction um, and others that it was just emotionally, it hit them. It was something resonated with them. You know, they didn't always get into what it was, but that that was really the whole driving force behind this book is they would have this emotional response to it and then they wanted to talk about it. And of course, the only way they could talk about it was to get a friend to buy it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then they'd refer it to a friend and then like, as soon as you're done, get back to me and then talk to me about it. Uh, yeah, uh, that I can't even begin to say what reviews like Jane's did and others that got people to go, you know, I have to read this so that we can talk about it. So, Cindy, what about the book um, speaks to you? I really responded to the real, the rawness of the characters and the emotional intensity of the relationship. I always, that's always been one of my um, things that I, I really respond to as a reader. And um, and the real delicate balance because it's a real push pull relationship, and um, but what I really loved about it is a lot of times you don't know why they're reacting, but you do know why. At least Ava's reacting the way she is. She's very upfront with her issues. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, she's been through therapy, 
and um, and I really like that. I think I think that probably did speak to a lot of readers too because she's she's messed up and she knows it. Right, she, I no really like that too. Erin, yeah. you've read it, obviously. So we should what, introduce Erin. Uh, right, this is the wonderful Erin Galloway. She's a um, publicist for Pen Berkeley Penguin. Yeah, Berkeley NAL. Yeah. Jane and I have worked with Erin for. Years now? Years. years now. Six years. At least. Aaron you were the first publicist. You were the first publicist who ever like introduced yourself. Hey, how you doing? If you oh. need anything, let me know. And I was like, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm Aaron glad. has always been super supportive of bloggers. Oh, yes. We like her. We have a tasteful oh. shrine to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I love you guys, too. You are, are two of my favorite folks to work with. Um, I remember the moment that Cindy and I spoke on the phone about this book. I had called her to discuss something else, and she said, Aaron, I bought this book. And I said, what book dun, are dun, you dun. talking about? And she said, it's this book by Sylvia Day, and I was like, bear to you. <laughs> and, and it was so exciting because right around this time, I had just started seeing the buzz online. And when I looked at the book cover image, I thought, is this one of our books? Did we publish this in Heat? How did I not know about this? <laughs> and, this is the, the um, sniffing cover, not the cufflink yes, cover. That's right. I'm sorry, that's how I differentiate. You have yes. sniffing or cufflinks. Uh, <laughs> this is what I thought he was it, doing. I'm sorry. I thought he was sniffing. It does look a little like a sniff. It's, it's, true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> to think of nuzzling versus couplings. It was a physical expression of his yearning. Yeah. Absolutely. He's taking a big and old breath. <laughs> I think that cover, the first cover and the second cover are both really evocative images. Like they, they grab are. your attention. They mm -hmm. absolutely do. And and it's perfect for an, a, a book that is very evocative. I said to Cindy, please send me the manuscript ASAP. Mm -hmm. And she did. And I remember starting it, and I told Sylvia that reading it was like becoming mesmerized. I fell in right away and did not want to let go. Um, similar to Cindy, I am very captivated by emotionally intense relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone that knows my reading habits also knows that I really love tortured characters. I mean, scar them emotionally, <laughs> physically. Just... That is my favorite thing. Put them through the ringer. And really... Both Gideon and Ava, you know, have a lot of difficulties that they have been through, very tortured pasts. And the idea of these two people that have been through very personal emotional struggles, discovering in each other what they are looking for mm -hmm. in another person is beautiful. And, um, well, frankly, Gideon is sex on a stick and who doesn't want that? I mean, he is an extraordinarily powerful um, being to be in the room with, and he really leaps off the page. And it's like I said to friends, you know, you read this book, the pages singe your fingers a little bit. Um, just sort of being the the voyeur on the wall watching, you know, the two of, of these people find each other. It's um, really moving. And I felt so entranced and so excited to find out what would happen next. And then when I got to the end of the book, very, very eager for book two. So there's, there's a lot of people eager for book two. Some of them around the table. <laughs> so can you tell us a little about book two or do you not want to talk? Because you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to. No, there's really not much I can get into about the second book, except the characters that were introduced in the first book. Of course, Nathan comes into play. Ava's still dealing with her mother. Um, her father comes out to visit, and that's a lot of fun, having him and Gideon on the same page together. 
Because Gideon seems so very confident, and yet there's part of him that's not sure that he's worthy of her. And of course, her dad doesn't think anybody's worthy of her. So there's, you know, some of those familiar dynamics, and then there's all them, which is lots of angst and crazy. Yeah. I actually have a question. I have two questions. Other before we get to the quiz, which is totally really hard. I'm just warning. You. Okay. Um, first question: Can we talk about Fifty Shades? Well, yeah, go for okay, it. So but, here's here's I mean, you guys can talk. Here's about my it. POV. Here's, here's here's my perspective on it. I have always said that luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. I think that was Seneca that said that originally. It's not like I'm that smart. And you have this book that is, in according to many reviews, and it's not just me saying this. Like many reviews, this is what Fifty Shades wishes it had been if the person who was writing had a more a more thorough understanding of things like grammar. And, <laughs> I'm not even lying. That is exactly one of the quotes I found. And I've also seen reviews like, oh, this is a knockoff, which just makes my hair stand on end because it's not like you just whip up a 100,000-word book like, oh, yeah, I totally just cranked this out last night. You know, it's like Etsy. I glued a squirrel on a tree, and it's exactly what you wanted. It's a knockoff. So the the idea that someone can just come up with something, I think that's absolute horseshit. We can also curse on this podcast. And they also don't seem to pay attention to the fact that that vintages – release of Fifty Shades was on the exact same day as my book was. Yuppers. And it was on NetGalley for, you know, almost a month prior Mm -hmm. to that. It went through two months of edits prior to that, not including, you Mm -hmm. know. But, of course, people don't understand how long it takes to write a book, how much it takes to produce a book, how much, you know, I mean, it's just. Well, it was like when Rachel Gibson and Deidre Martin's hockey books came out, Mm -hmm. like uh, three weeks apart, and they both referenced uh, Hockey for Dummies. And so there was some talk about that. about the copying aspect, uh, but obviously there could never ludicrous. have been any copying mm-hmm. aspect because the ludicrous. fact that they were published so close together <laughs> actually kind of is fact disproves that. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't like publishers are allowed to talk to each other. <laughs> well, I think it's in the water. There must be something in the water. But well, I, it's, it's you see it in movies too. Mm-hmm. You have two Robin Hood movies. We got two Snow Whites. Two Snow mm-hmm. Whites. You know, five Robin Hoods. Two Spider Mans. It's like playing poker. Three Batmans. So. If someone has read Fifty Shades, do you think that your book will appeal to them? If they liked it, if they thought that was amazing, I want more of that intensity. Have, uh, you, have you read Fifty Shades? Yeah. Well, I think it's required reading, pretty much. I, if you're if you're writing romance or you're in, if you're publishing romance, I think it's kind of you know you have to do it. Course I don't really material. Who hasn't? You know, <laughs> at this point, yeah. It depends oh on what you look at. I mean, if you look at the the standard tropes, which are really popular, mm-hmm. and Harlequin is made, you know six decades of you know millions off of the millionaire hero with you know innocent virginal clueless heroine couldn't find her clitoris with a flashlight (laughs) right i mean if you look at that it's still not my book because ava is nothing like that she has a flashlight yes Yes. and she's very aware (laughs) (laughs) and then you have uh, 50 shades is really like a it's a cinderella story it is. Uh, mixed with a little bit of Beauty and the Beast. So you've got kind of this storybook thing going on. You look at, at Bared to You, and there's nothing storybook about it. There's nothing Cinderella about it. These are two seriously messed up people. So you have two beautiful, two wealthy, two exterior seemingly perfect people who are inside completely shattered. There's really no comparison between the two, and yet I can see kind of where there's because the tropes are so similar that and the intensity is yeah you know that sort of thing so i can see that 
I don't know that somebody, I mean, if somebody reads Fifty Shades for that storybook, Cinderella Quality, right. they're not going to get that in my book. It's going to be too dark for them. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, there a lot of readers, you know, do end up liking both of them. Mm -hmm. And I did a book signing over the weekend, Laurie Foster's event, and I had a reader that came up to me and she was, you know, saying how much she loved Baird. And then she said, but, you know, I also love Fifty Shades, but she was embarrassed. Yeah. Like, you know, she wasn't sure how I was mm -hmm. going to take that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's wonderful. That's exactly what I would love to hear is that, you know, you happen to enjoy both books. I really don't like for any reader to say, I read a book and it sucked. You know, it doesn't totally. matter whose book it is. You totally. know, you really don't want anybody to have that negative experience. But it, because of the way it's been presented and the way some of the reviews are, I feel <laughs> Molly like readers feel like they have to choose. <clears throat> Between one or the other, you know, or that which one gonna, they find favored. They're going to get smacked if they say they like Fifty Shades. Uh, the reason that I used, and I, I guess my quote is on the back of the book, and I, I did recommend it to people who enjoyed, and I said, people for readers who enjoyed Fifty Shades, I think this is the book for you. And I think that because of the deep emotional connection. And when I read erotic romance, some of the, the biggest flaws in erotic romance is the lack of the emotional connection, that there's so much focus on the physical. And that's the similarity that I see, mm -hmm. <clears throat> not necessarily um, the Cinderella storybook story, but the kind of emotional intensity that the stories bring. And I think that that's kind of what I'm looking at when I re recommend that book to others. And it mm -hmm. seems like that they're responding like, Sarah and I kind of made friends with some fashion bloggers on the internet through an unfortunate plagiarism incident that we won't talk about. <laughs> but um, I, that was a, the first book I recommended to them. Yep. And they really responded well to not only the hotness of it, but I think the emotional intensity of it. So before we go on, I, I just want to put in my two cents about the contemporary novellas. I would love, <laughs> I think, I mean, I've read you in various incarnations and I just love your contemporary voice and I've read all those novellas and I think it would be great if you did um, um, uh, a uh, Marshall series. <laughs> we've talked about it. Yeah, yeah we've, we've yeah. talked about it. So it's, I, it is so, definitely something that I think, um, I, I really like the novellas too, and I think they're a lot of fun. And um, they're very sexy, yeah. and they're and they have um, just a great feel mm -hmm. to them. They're short; they're about what twenty five, thirty thousand yeah. words. Well, we've talked about collecting them together, and then um, maybe add, both adding to it. You know, in terms of another original novella, but hoping you know, I'm hoping to spring for that it springboards into a full length, you know, series as well. I mean, when Sylvia came to me with this idea of doing the linking novellas um, in a series of anthologies, um, I've done that in the past with other authors, and it has led to um, a single title uh, series. So this was something that we were, I think we were both hoping that would lead to something like that. So we're still working on it. Yes. <laughs> I put my thumbs up for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it quiz time? I think it's quiz time. All right, we have time. a quiz time. It's a quiz. <laughs> Here's the quiz. Very simple. I have here statements from readers and editors of yours. You have to guess who said it, editor or reader. And if you guess editor and you get it right, you get a bonus point if you can identify the editor. The prize is beer. <laughs> I will find some somewhere and there will be beer. Okay, you ready? Okay. Okay. Yes, go for it. So Let's see. reader or editor, who said it? And if you guess editor, you want to guess, guess who it is. Okay, so quote number one. 
Sylvia Day's books are always super hot, and her sexy alphas, especially the angels, are my favorite. End quote. A reader. Wrong. That was an editor. Heather Osborne. Oh, and it's you for sure. I totally called her today, and she's like, totally. Oh, my God. This is great. Okay, next one. Without a doubt, Ms. Day is up there with the best of erotic romance writers. She's incredibly versatile across all genres, and jeebus, can she write hot scenes. End quote. Please tell me that's a reader. <laughs> that's a reader. <laughs> is that the word of jeebus that gave <laughs> Now, I may have edited the following quotes to include your name, because they, otherwise they might have said she, so I'm just warning you in advance. Um, Sylvia Day's writing is exquisite. That's got to be a reader. Right? Totally. That's from Google Books. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That wasn't even quoted. Like, they didn't even sign their names. They're like, her writing is exquisite. Yes. Okay. The way Sylvia writes her relationships is why I love romance. Intense and sexy and unforgettable. Is that an editor? Yes, it is. It's not one of my editors. Though. Yes, it is. Oh. I mean, I could ask editors who, who don't edit you, but then they would be readers. <laughs> <laughs> and that would just confuse things. Can uh, you guess who it is? Uh... <laughs> well, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> I um, spent a lot of time on the email today, too. <laughs> is it Alicia? Nope. nope. Was, was that you? <laughs> <email? laughs> I didn't think you asked Cindy. Oh, I asked her Cindy first. Included in that list. I totally asked her first. I didn't okay. see how you had time to get a hold of her. I've had her all day. I got email. She has a BlackBerry. <laughs> we cause trouble. <laughs> all right. Sylvia Day writes the most erotic scenes I have ever imagined. Reader. That's totally a reader from a forum about what erotic books are the best ones. I've ever <laughs> imagined. Yeah, I know, right? Is this painful, Sylvia? Are you okay? Not scoring very well. <laughs> no, I'm not getting an A on this. No, it's you're very, doing all right. You know, you're doing all right. It's pushing. hard. It's, it's very hard. All right. Sylvia Day slowly forms a connection between the reader, her characters, and the story that they have to tell. The story that who has to tell? I think the characters. The characters have to tell. Oh, okay. Um, is that a reader? Yes, it is. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> so you got, yeah. you got three of them right. Well done. Out of like 20. Out of seven. <laughs> Very good. So fun. the bestseller list came out. Do you have good news you want to share? Yes. Number 20 on the New York Times list for the ebook list, but it's also on the overall combined print and ebook list. Number 25. 25, which is fabulous considering there's no print yet. <laughs> that just, we love that. That just astonishes <laughs> yes. me. Yeah, yeah. So now that you're a New York Times bestseller, has, are, have things changed at home? Do you, do you like require your family to refer to you as NYT bestseller author? <laughs> I should. Mom? I should. I really should. No, I mean, mostly what we do, it's been six weeks now, uh, which just astonishes me. It, that Many it things just, have changed. No, I mean, the only thing that we end up doing is, you know, Wednesday comes around, I drive her and Kim crazy waiting to find, I think Kim's a little bit more crazy about my agent, Kim Whalen, is uh, is probably more fanatic of the three of us about, <laughs> about what those numbers are. And then, you know, when we get the call and the email, and then I call my husband and say, when you get home, we're going out to dinner. And, you know, we had somewhere. My son knew it as soon as I told him, but he's 13. So he was, you know, I have him call me when he starts walking home from school because God forbid I pick him up. That would be so embarrassing. Um, but, you know, I make him call me so I know he's on his way. And I'm like, we're going out to dinner tonight because with the New York Times, he got it. My daughter had no idea. She only just wondered if that gave her 
permission to choose where we were going to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get excused from school tomorrow because yeah. you get the New York Times? So awesome. you don't, like, in the carpool, yell out the window, hey, I'm a New York Times bestselling author now. How about put a magnet on the side of your car? This is the vehicle of New York Times bestselling <laughs> Are there author. Bu- you should be printing up bumper stickers for her. There should be bumper stickers. New York Times bestselling author on board. Mm-hmm. Way better than those little stick figures in the back of the minivan with, like, people got eight kids and they're all lined up by the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And little dog. Yeah, I think we, we need New York Times bestseller on board. I you know make what? a lot of money. So do you guys have favorite scenes, you, Cindy, or Aaron? There are a lot of scenes in this book that I like. Um, you can I, see them yeah. sort of weighing. Which one can I say out loud? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll share my favorite scene. Uh, yeah, you okay. share. Um, my favorite scene is a sex scene. No, <laughs> Yeah, it's the library. That has got to be one of the hotter scenes I've ever yeah. read, and um, I, it's just if if I have a paper book and and um, you come to my house, it's probably going to open at that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I have I like the um, the office BJ scene a lot. An office at BJ's wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> wow, these people Thank get around. They do a lot of shopping there. So. <laughs> you know. Aside from the two scenes that that you two just mentioned, which I I really, really love, I enjoyed a lot of the the buildup to the very sexy scenes. (laughs) No, I'm with Erin. I love buildup. There's not a lot standing between people who just want to get it on right now. And I I really love the scene where, um, you know, he is saying to her, are you seeing anyone? Because I want to sleep with you and I need to know if someone's going to get in my way. And that is such a, you know, alpha, I'm just going to get right in there approach. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just so foreign. Like you can't do that in real life. I, I would never imagine a man saying that to me. And yet, as I was reading this book, I thought, hell yes. Why has no man ever approached me this way? I don't know how I would respond, but I'm still waiting for that offer. Okay. <laughs> Sylvia, how, how did you to... know that the library scene was my favorite? Did I say that in one of my reviews? <laughs> no, no, but I've never had an infamous scene before. And apparently that is an infamous scene. Mm-hmm. That And it, it was on Twitter and it was like, oh, did you get the infamous scene yet? And I'm like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> yeah, and it was mm-hmm. the, apparently the library. So, And then, of course, there was things like, you know, I need my husband to build us a library. And, you know, <laughs> So uh, that, yeah, that's how I figured. Books, that. man, they're hot. They are hot. So I have one more question. You are president elect of the RWA. Yes. Does that give you cringe because now you have all of this work coming on, and then here comes the the RWA presidency? Uh, no. Well, uh, because I don't think people understand really how the presidency works, but uh, the groundwork has to be laid in the president elect year, which is what I'm in right now. Right. Uh, once you become president, you have no vote. So, you know, as the president, you kind of direct discussion and uh, keep people from going off on tangents and follow up and make sure that motions are being drafted or whatever. But everything you wanted to lay the groundwork for had to be done your president in your president elect president year. year. And you are coming to the end of your president elect year? In October. In October, this yes, fall, when in the yes. new fiscal year starts. So, one thing I've noticed about RWA is that the tenor of the organization shifts markedly depending on the president and the president-elect. And now we have a, an incoming president who is successfully self-published, who's then moved into Penguin, who has written in, I'm going to get this wrong, four different genres? Five. I think I've written 
a lot. I, I She's mean, written um, historical, contemporary, paranormal, uh, paranormal urban and fantasy. urban fantasy. So I was sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy. All right, so we were both wrong. Six, <laughs> many of the genres. It's it's a it's almost a different it's a different tenor. Looking at your you know I guess you could call it an administration. Can you tell us about some of the things that you are hoping to accomplish? Well, first I have to say that I didn't run for the board originally. I was asked to serve to fill a vacancy as one board member who was in my Region 6 director spot was moved into a different area. And so the board approached me to fill that spot based on the fact that I was digitally first published and self-published and traditionally published and an erotic romance author. Uh, and that's actually the reason why I said yes when they asked me was because when they came to me with the rationale, it was that we would like to have someone, with someone the on the board who has, yeah. you know, all of this experience in all these different areas of areas that we're tackling. And, and I appreciated that. Yeah. As one of the members, I appreciate the fact that they were actually going out and looking for somebody who, who because at the time, you know, it's up to the president to appoint when the spot is vacant yeah. and they could have went with anything, you know. Um, and then after I served that first year to, to kind of serve that purpose and I saw what they were doing, what they were trying to do, which was become more strategic mm-hmm. um, and the, the initiatives that they were working on. I needed to stay on. I, I ran for the next year so that I can help see that thing because it does take a long time oh, for it, these things to go you through. You can't just whip out a new right. po- No, you can't yeah, do it, it very quickly. In a year. You can't. And then, it's like turning a cruise ship. You got to give it a little room to bank around. Right. And it, a lot of people on board. They're gun shy for a lot of reasons because they've noticed that if they try to, you know, turn on a dime, there's ramifications that they weren't anticipating. And then, you know, these things happen and the membership goes, oh my God. And then they assume that. The rationale was the unexpected consequences rather than what the vision was. The vision gets lost in the aftermath. So now they're very careful to, you know, make sure are, are we counting every possible ramification of this decision? Is there something that we're missing? Is, you know, is this going to cause something negative? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there was all of that involved. And then as I was coming into the, my second year, they asked for me to run for the presidency. And that was, you know, and it took them really nine months. <laughs> it took them really nine months to convince me to take that on. Oh, come on. It's not like it's a big deal. Yeah. And my thought was there's somebody who's better qualified. You know, there's somebody who's, who's better qualified to do this. Um, but, you know, after nine months and, you know, talking with it and hearing more rationale and seeing the things that I wanted to accomplish, you know, I decided to run. And now, you know, my two things are chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, chapters were uh, deregulated. So um, we have chapters that are almost serving as uh, RWA alternatives, mm-hmm. uh, which would be fine if they weren't under the tax umbrella of the organization and using the organization service marks. Ideally, you know, if you're... If you're in Alabama and you're in a chapter there and your job takes you to California and you move and you join the chapter there, it would be a similar experience. Um, right now, that's not always the case. You move to a new chapter and it's totally different. The rules are different. The setup's different. Then you come to, you know, national conference and that's foreign too because it doesn't, you know, um, ideally you would get an overall 
experience that's familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, so dealing with regulating chapters again, bringing them back into alignment is one of my top priorities. Uh, the other is the focus so far on being an author, being what we consider a published author, has been based on the format, mm -hmm. the length, the publisher. Really, none of those things are consequential to being mm -hmm. a writer. Uh, our goal as an organization is for writers to make money doing what they're doing. And now there's a variety That's a of fine ways. fine goal. Right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that goal. Right. There's a variety of ways to make money. And it, what the length is, what the format is, who the publisher is, uh, is not as important as are you making money writing romance? And if so, are we providing the support and the services that you need mm -hmm. to further that goal of, of earning a living off your writing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, moving the focus away from things that don't matter to the things that do is, is the, so those are the two things, you know. I think those are very, very smart. Well, and the, well, and it, these are, you know, things the groundwork has been laid. You know, mm -hmm. when I came on board, I mean, if I did serve that first year and these were not things that were being discussed and, you know, realizations that were being come to, I would not have stayed on on board but mm -hmm. so I can't take you know credit for any of that it's just there I just want to make sure that I can contribute as much as possible to reaching those goals mm -hmm. uh, and we can't turn on a dime but on the other hand there is a window mm -hmm. there's a window to where as an organization you become irrelevant and we don't want to hit that no you know and there's also so, a window of opportunity for growth right right and it's small if you miss it mm -hmm. you miss it any last questions for Sylvia? No. I got to grill her earlier. You got to grill her earlier? Mm -hmm. So yeah. she has some secrets she hasn't revealed that you want to tell us Yeah, about. we like secrets. Well, I will Jane tell will get you, them out of you. I will tell you that I am very excited about what she told me earlier, that I think the the chemistry between our hero and heroine is, is going to continue to develop. Um, and I'm just very entertained by some of the ideas that she has in mind. Because I think that though um, the book is is certainly, it has dark aspects mm -hmm. and there's a lot going on there, there are going to be some moments of levity coming up that I'm looking forward to seeing because there's room to play in a relationship. And I think these two will find that. So the cover of Baird to You has mm -hmm. cufflinks. Yes. What's the next cover idea? We are working on that. Working on it. We are working on that. May I recommend those straps that hold up men's socks that go up around the <laughs> oh, calf? Those are garters. Those are garters. Sexy. Yeah. Could you just put a pair of garters with black socks mm -hmm. and white tennis shoes? Wow. I find that some moking hot. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm very Take curious. Take that under advisement, <laughs> and I will talk to our art director and see maybe he can contribute a pair of or spats. Spats yes. would be good. You know. I'm going to veto those ideas. <laughs> so does the increased reader response to Bear to You, does it make you more anxious about your writing or does it empower your writing? It hasn't affected me, really. Um, I, one thing, Cindy was the only editor that I was going to give this project to. I, I've told her that many times, but it's true. One, I don't think it made as contemporary erotic romance the way Berkeley does. It's just they're brilliant with it. If you look at the best contemporary erotic authors who are they writing for they're writing for Berkeley and then it's Cindy working with Cindy and that she's very hands-off you know and it's like let your vision grow as it will so I'm even though it's with a New York publisher I still feel like I'm writing independently you know there's nobody getting in or we'd like to see this or we'd like to see that 
Uh, so I'm, I'm writing it really for me. And I had actually joked when I was writing Bear to you that I kind of considered it like vanity publishing because I was doing it solely for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would find an audience. My readers don't cross over. My historical readers don't read the paranormals, paranormals. And, you know, even in your case, you like the contemporaries, but not other way. Because my voice is very different. It is very depending different. Depending on what I write. So um, I totally understand that readers have something that they really like. Well, I didn't really have a contemporary readership aside from the novellas. So I figured I don't have anybody built in to buy this book. Mm-hmm. It's a really dark journey to take for somebody who you're not normally following. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just for me. I wrote it for me, what I wanted, what I loved, you know, how I felt. And I still feel that way with the second book. still feel that way with the third book. Um, and, you know, of course, I have other things that are, you know, under contract. And I'm fortunate there, too, and that my editors are like, you know, however you do it, wherever you do it. So I'm still, I guess, overall writing what makes me happy and hope that readers like it. That's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Sylvia. I know I did. Thank you to Cindy Huang and Aaron Galloway from Penguin for putting up with us for an hour and also giving us the very spiffy, fuzzy, padded room in which we recorded. Future podcasts will feature more books we're talking about, and I'm hoping to do some interviews at RWA. So if you're at RWA and you'd like to be interviewed and ask nosy questions, let me know. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com Or you can call our Google Voice number, which is 201-371-DBSA. Don't forget to give us your name and where you're calling from so we can work your message into a future podcast. The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. This is a group called Hanuman. They are no longer together as a group, but the song's pretty awesome. This is called Percolator, and the album is called Pedal Horse. I'll have all the information available on the website for iTunes links if you'd like to buy it or check out other music. Wherever you are, we hope you're having a great summer and we wish you the very best of reading.